Good evening and welcome to French Football Weekly. I'm Philippa B and I'm joined as ever by Jeremy Smith. Hi Jez. Hi. And by Rich Allen. Hi Rich. Hello. So we've had quite a lot happen since we last podded and most recently that's been the semi-finals of the Coupe de France where Angers beat uh, Gangon 2-0 in the first semi-final and then PSG beat Monaco B, 5-0 uh, yesterday. Yeah, it's, look, I looked at, I know what uh, Jardim said. He said, uh, we're going to play players who haven't played a lot and some of the CFR. When I actually saw the team, you look at the outfield players, they've got Valé Germain, who's 27, who's arguably the third choice striker. Andrea Raggi, 33 the only defender who can play in all positions across the back four, and the rest of them were all 20 or 21. Meanwhile, PSG's entire outfield team had, are capped by FIFA top 15 countries. So think, it was... I think yeah. I read that De Sanctis, who was in goal for Monaco, when he made his professional debut, eight of his teammates yesterday hadn't been born yet. Something like that. <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah. So it was it what it was a large defeat, um, which, in a sense, Jardim said up front he was going to take. Um, was that is that real politic in a way, or is that a real risk that you know that could damage uh, something in the squad that could damage their chances? What did you think of 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 how he approached that match, Jez? I think he he approached it in the only way he could really. Um, we'll we'll talk about it a bit more. But the Coupe de la Ligue final was even then. I think um, he started with pretty much a full team in the Coupe de la Ligue final. That one turned into an embarrassing defeat. Although I think that he sort of chucked that halfway through the match as well. Um, I just you look at the the schedules of the two teams. Um, leading up to the end of the season and you know it's clearly the the least important of the three competitions Monaco are left in and there's there's no way he could take a risk of tiring out the players or injuries to you know one or two of the most important players at this stage um i, d- I don't think it you know the only serious risk he's running is maybe some kind of fine for for not playing a proper team or putting out a proper squad but I think it actually would have been more of a risk playing his first team risking injuries, risking um, I think there's more likelihood of uh, risking sort of loss of morale if the first team gets beaten soundly again I don't think this one's going to affect the the team that would be starting against Juventus or um, league outsides for the rest of the season I don't think it would affect them too much yeah, and arguably the two first-team players who were did appear here, Raji and Jermaine, strike you as the kind of guys who can take that kind of hit, exactly, um, yeah. kind of psychologically. Um, I mean, that does, you know, hark back to obviously PSG have won the first proper uh, trophy of the season in the Coupe de la Ligue uh, with that victory, uh, which was more comprehensive than I think many people were expecting. But um, as Jess explains, there was a degree of management going on there potentially as well. Um, over those two kind of cup, uh, cup games, Rich, do you see, do you think that Jardim took the right approach 
to to keeping his team in things? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think what I've noticed with Monaco over the last few weeks is that tiredness. Um, a few of their a few of their games, you know, they've lost that sort of four five nil thrashing form that we saw and perhaps predicted it wasn't it, it couldn't last all season. Um, but I think there've been a, a number of games in the recent weeks. Um, I mean, games like uh, the, the the match they only just won away at Angers, for example, where the players have looked tired. It's been a long, long season. Um, you know, many people seem to forget that they were in the Champions League qualifying rounds. So, you know, they've been playing non-stop since, well, I mean, I would imagine they were probably July time, maybe. Um, there's a lot of young players. These are their, sort of their first... Uh, or first experience of this kind of season, so there's going to be an element of tiredness. I have absolutely no problem whatsoever with what he did uh, last night in the in the match against PSG. Um, I actually think it was a bit more of a risk in the final uh, of the Coupe de la Ligue for for playing such a such a strong side in that game. Um, I think that was probably the the the, the more um, uh, riskier selection, weirdly enough. Um, yeah. And the, the well, psychological suppose, damage that has taken. Well, but that was a final, so in a sense, you you kind of have to go for that. Though there is a chance that that you're going to make something of it. As Jess said, that it was more kind of a give up halfway through situation there, rather than saying from the outset we we're not doing this. Um, obviously, the the next after Toulouse at the weekend, it's the. Champions League semi-finals, and that's Juventus. Who Can are... I just add very quickly that yeah. um, I read a couple of people today. I think Andy Scott and Jerome Pugmire maybe discussing that. Um, you know, there's an argument for saying that it was PSG who took more of an unnecessary risk yesterday, considering they knew in advance that Monaco would be playing such a junior team, and PSG are playing Nice this weekend. That you know. Arguably, it's surprising that Emery went with such a strong squad. He could have rested a few as well. You've got players like yeah. Nkunku, who has played quite a lot in the Coupe de France this year. You know, didn't start with players like that. I did wonder if it was maybe PSG thought Jardam's actually, you know, playing a fast one. And they, he says, we're going to play the kids. They turn up with some kids. He you know, puts out a full team, uh, that kind of play, thing. Well, yeah, the kids but, I mean, the that just, well. just just seems ridiculous. I mean, the thing is, Nice, nice is safe in third. They, they're they missing so many key players. They're not going to get back to second. I think PSG were probably thinking they're not going to be trying that hard. But as you say, that is still a big risk. I mean, it's... Toulouse are an interesting team, obviously, but yeah, playing Nice in Nice, the, there is that definitely that argument that, uh, that that there should have been more changes PSG side. But you know, Draxler, Cavani, Matuidi, and Marquinhos all got goals, so um, that's obviously going to be a help. Um, so as we were saying, the the kind of after this next round of league arm fixtures. We've got the European stuff going back again, and um, you know Monaco are facing Juventus, and obviously no easy games at this level, etc. and so on. But Juventus, I mean, this is going to be tough over two legs with a potentially fighting for their lives 
Nancy game to be played between them. So how do we see this panning out, given that Monaco really, this season, are not able to set up to defend? Are they just going to have to go for it? Uh, Jez, what do you think? Um, I think that, I think they've got to just play their natural game. Um, I definitely, I think most people said that it's bizarre to say it, but arguably Real Madrid would have been the, the best tie for, for Monaco because they also can't defend that well. Um, and you sort of, even against a, a team like Real Madrid, you, the, the way Monaco have been playing this year, you can, you can sort of say actually if it's just a, um, a question of who's going to score the most goals, Monaco can go toe-to-toe to -to -toe with most teams this year. Um, so, so I mean, in that in that sense, I think Juventus was arguably the the worst draw that they could have had, um, because obviously they do know how to defend better than arguably any any other team in the world. Um, I think, but then at the same time, Monaco are a lot stronger than they were a couple of years ago when they only lost. I think it was just one nil or nil nil over the two legs. Um, I I I think. It's not going to be as simple as that, but I think so much turns on um, the first goal. Because I think if Monaco can score first, even though they're, they're playing, at, I think, at home first, Juventus still have another advantage of, of the second leg at home. I think if Monaco can score first, then it is going to sort of tempt Juventus out a little bit more. And then Monaco can hopefully exploit some gaps at the back. If Juventus score first, especially in Monaco, then... I think that could be the tie done and dusted because against you know that their three central defenders and Buffon it's always going to be tough to break down. Um, what I'm really looking forward to is is Mbappe. I mean, even if Monaco go out, just to see how he approaches those two matches, um, what he learns from them, maybe how he improves from one to the other. Because you know we talked about the Coupe de la Ligue, he was kind of schooled a little bit by Thiago Silva, not always fairly I think but um, you know Silva did pretty much control him in that match and um, by all accounts after the match Mbappe was, was pretty upset about it and sort of needed to be G'd up again by the rest of the Monaco team even though yet again he gave some fantastic interviews you know really level-headed and everything after the match so you know he's on such a big learning curve every time he gets onto the pitch at the moment obviously but play you know testing himself against like I said, arguably the best defence, certainly in Europe. Um, it's going to be really fascinating, I think. <coughs> yeah, Rich, anything to add on, on that? Yeah, I just... Or, indeed, Lyon uh, Ajax as well. Well, I think on the on the Monaco-Juventus game, <coughs> there's a lot of people, I think, who've written Monaco off already because of the, the sort of fearsome defence um, that, that Juventus can put up. Um I mean, if, if any team left in this in this final four, if any team's going to test Juventus's defence to the to the max, it's it's surely going to be this Monaco team. The way that they've approached their matches uh, on all their matches this season, it's it's going to be Monaco. Um, I think, if anyone wants to correct me, please feel free. I think they're probably going to have a full strength team, which will be possibly the first time in quite some time in their European matches. They've had numerous injuries and suspensions. So I yes. think they should have yeah, a full-strength so. side for this. So 
you know, they've got to go out in that first leg at home. You know, we know it's not the most intimidating of atmospheres, etc., etc., etc. They've got to just go out, as, as Jez said, play their natural game and just see what that first leg brings. If they can go... If they can go back to, to, to Italy with a you know, a two goal cushion, you know, that that's job done. But it's it's really hammering home um you know the the best of their ability anyway in that that first leg at home. Definitely. Also, I mean, also... um someone else also mentioned remember Juventus struggled against Lyon this year. So I mean that's another thing for Monaco to sort of um you know, another reason for them to feel relatively confident. They're a much better team than Lyon. And I th- was it one, yeah, and, one was and a draw Lyon. and the other one, Buffon, pretty much saved Juventus time and time yeah. again. And, and Lyon, again, are more of an attacking than a defensive unit, I think it's fair to say. So, you know, that does give them maybe a template for how you can uh, put the wind up them. One yeah. would hope. I mean, the thing is, OL are also uh, still in a European competition. They're going to be facing Ajax after the two legs against Besiktas were interesting on several levels. Uh, one disciplinary, administrative, um, but also that they played 120 minutes and went to penalties before playing last weekend's game. Uh, but they got through the playing Ajax, so... Uh, given their situation, obviously they're now in fifth, but have the game in hand because of the Bastia thing. So they're going to be trying to catch up with Bordeaux when they play Angers uh, at the weekend. So, I mean, they've also got you know some scheduling issues to factor in, which are less severe than Monaco. But um, do we think they're going to going to get back up past past Bordeaux when we look at the the not so much the title race, but then that uh, fourth to sixth spot. Um, oh well, away at Angers and um, Bordeaux are playing away at Dijon, which will be a tough game at the weekend. I think Bordeaux have got the slightly tougher the, the slightly tougher run in. Although, as we say, uh, Lyon have got the uh, the extra games to play with them still being in Europe. Um, but I think when you look at the fact that Bordeaux have got to go to, to Saint-Étienne and then host uh, Marseille uh, in, in consecutive games, I think that's going to be the decider. I mean, Lyon's most difficult game arguably is, I don't know, is it their final game at home to, at home to Nice? But Nice have got nothing to play for. So, you know, they're playing a lot of mid-table, comfortable sides who aren't looking over their shoulders, who aren't going to be you know, breaking into that, that top, what will probably be top six for Europe. So I think Leon probably will have enough. Um, but personally speaking, I would love to see Gorvanek take uh, take Bordeaux to fourth. I mean, looking at obviously the way the Cups have panned out so, so far, fifth is fine for Europe. It's going to depend on how the Coupe de France pans out, where the sixth is. But... Um, you know that's uh, that's another factor to to play in there. I mean, given the title race, Monaco and PSG are level on eighty points at the moment. Monaco have that game in hand that they missed for the Coupe de la Ligue final, but that's against Saint Etienne, and by the look of things, that has to be played between games thirty-seven and thirty-eight. I mean, that's 
that's going to be a last week of enormous pressure for the Monaco team. Are they going to be able to keep this up, basically, is the question. Um, Rich, what do you think? Um, I think they will. I think they will. Looking at the games that they've got and the way that they've handled themselves in recent games, you know, it, 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 they, were, they, were, uh, they were lucky against Dijon. They were lucky against uh, Angers. But they ground out those results. The players can sense it now, I think. You know, there are a lot of young players who could easily get carried away with, with them being so close to, uh, to taking this title. But there's a lot of, of uh, level-headedness there. There's the, the odd senior player, Falcao, I think, has absolutely thrived in his role as a more senior player and as captain of this, this exciting side. So I think they do have enough. Um, uh, you know, I mean, it's going to be tight, but I just don't see where Monaco are going to drop what's probably going to need to be four points um, to allow PSG in, bearing in mind the, the massive difference that they've got on the, on their goal difference. Goal difference. I mean, I think w- one thing it's worth saying is PSG, after they play Nice, and I think that game, if Nice can do their South Coast neighbours a favour, that would be... You know, one thing, because PSG then play Bastia, Saint-Étienne and Caen. And I think Saint-Étienne look to be in a very weird place right now, so you wouldn't, you know, uh, bet any money on them doing anything in particular. So I'm, I'm seeing PSG definitely winning those last three, so it's going to be the Nice game that maybe gives uh, Monaco a degree of let-off in the the pressure they're under to keep winning their games, which are Toulouse, Nancy, who are trying not to get relegated, Lille, who can be obdurate, Sods, Saint-Étienne, and then Rennes on the last day. So, Jez, how do you see this panning out? Um, <laughs> I, I thought that the Lyon match was really important for Monaco. I you know they they lost at home to them, and I thought they would struggle slightly against Lyon. I think Genesio probably helped Lyon out with with some of the strange um, uh, personnel choices that he made. But I think that was a, a really big win. I think Monaco showed, um, I mean, skill in the first half to, to 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 build the lead, and then character in the second half to hold on to it. Um, and as Rich said, you know they can afford to slip up once, possibly in a way twice. Um, and I, I thought Lyon was one of the ones that they would slip up on. So in in that sense, um, I'm a bit more confident for them. But I also agree with you. I think they do have a harder run in, not just because of the the sort of the at least two European matches on the side and the and the game in hand that they need to catch up on, but. Um, I just think they're tougher matches. Um, as you said, they could they could really do with their rivals, you know, giving them a little bit more space this weekend. I want to say Monaco is still going to win it, and I think they will. But my naturally pessimistic side says PSG will somehow do it. Um, well, I don't know. We need Rich needs to have a word with with uh, his Ren. His Ren team for the last match of the season, possibly. <laughs> I won't need to. I won't need to. 
<laughs> well, one one thing we we've, we've seen today is the nominations for the UNFP um, awards came out, uh, causing much tweeting, retweeting, arguing, memes, gifs, swearing, etc. But we've got um, PSG and Monaco are both represented in all four of the main categories, player of the year, young player, goalkeeper and coach. And what I noticed when writing these down earlier is that the previous winners of uh, these awards were Zlatan, Ismail Dembele, Mandanda and Laurent Blanc. So all have now left uh, Legal. Um, so our nominees uh, in those categories were causing a degree of... Um, and spite on Twitter for kind of egregious inclusions and omissions. So the nominees are Player of the Year, Cavani, Lacazette, Bernardo Silva and Marco Verratti, Young Player of the Year, Willan Cipriar, Thomas Lamar, Kylian Mbappe and Adrian Rabiot, Goalkeeper, Lopez, Rene, Subasic and Trapp, and Coaches, Unai Murray, Lucien Favre, Govanek and... Jardin. So, are there any glaring omissions anybody would like to uh, hang a hat on? Any glaring inclusions also uh, <laughs> that, that might might deserve comment? You know, just to to, to kick things off on that front. Yes. Yes. Um, every year I have to double check: is it really the the players and the and the coaches that, that made these decisions and you know, the footballers have a reputation for for not being the sh- the sharpest tools in the box, and you see some of these unimaginative choices, and you do wonder if they just think, "Oh, PSG, I'd better put PSG player or manager in there." Um, but I don't... Cavani has got thirty-one league goals. Yeah, yeah, no, Cavani. I, mean, I know he's missed a shitload, but that's seven ahead of Lacazette in second. Yeah, yeah, Cavani. You know, I'm not, I'm not arguing with Cavani. <laughs> I'm arguing oh, right. with um, <laughs> Trapp and Emery. Um, you know, for Emery yeah. to, to... I know it's his first season. I know they're adjusting without Zlatan. I know that after everything I just said, they could well still win the league. But to have not already walked away with it, to have... I think it's just based on on, on the league. So, you know, you can't say, well, they've done, done well in the Cups, because if you do that, it's completely evened out by the fact that they, they choked in the Champions League. I just I don't think he deserves to be in there, and Trap, you know, hasn't even been the starting keeper the whole time. Um, okay, he's been okay since he he's come in and become the number one, but certainly nothing um, particularly special. I don't think he deserves that place at all. Um, and then elsewhere, for me, the most glaring omission. I mean, there's there's a few you can make cases for in, in a few of the categories, but you know. Most of them you can argue one way or the other, but I think a bigger omission is um, Seri. Um, I think you know he's been excellent for Nice. He's been there the whole time. You know when influential players have been kind of literally falling around him. Um, I think he's been extremely important to them. I, I think until this year he was probably considered more of a defensive midfielder, but this year he's been. Leading the the assists as well, um, I really think that, that he he deserved to be in the um, player of the year um, nominations. 
and then you know you, argue, you can make a case for so many Monaco players to be in either player or young player of the year. Um, and as Rich was saying on Twitter earlier, you've got to feel sorry for Lamar, who almost certainly won't win it again for the second year just because there's been a ridiculously good youngster um, playing just that tiny bit better than him. Yeah. So, Rich, anyone you want to, to point up or point out uh, on, on these awards? Um I mean, I could probably be here for some time, so I'll, I will try and keep it brief. But um, I think there should have been another Monaco player on that Player of the Year award. Um, I think you probably could have taken your pick from, you know, Bakayoko, Fabinho, um, you know, Camel Glick has been an absolute rock yeah. this season and, and one of the signings of the season. But I'm not necessarily in agreement that Verratti should be there. I have I have my slightly controversial opinions that Lacazette has scored a lot of goals this season, but I don't think he's been at his best this season. Um, Bernardo Silva. I'd pick, I think if you had to pick one Lyon player, I'd have picked Tolisso. Oh yeah, 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 without a doubt. I mean, to be perfectly honest, Bernardo Silva should probably walk that award of the four that have been nominated. But I mean, we all probably know that's going to go to Cavani. Uh, young player of the year I, I probably this is the carry I probably have least issues with um, if, you know if I'm putting on my my bias hat I perhaps could have made the case for Yoris Nyanyon, um over perhaps Rabio, who I think started quite well but has perhaps just a little come off the ball a little bit in, in recent weeks goalkeeper of the year don't quite know why why traps there um, for the reasons that Jez has covered. I think you've got looks at the likes of Cardinal, Pele, painfully to say, even Ruffier are all very unlucky to be missing out. Um, I don't think Lopez has had a particularly strong season either. Um, and then on Coach of the Year, I think Favre, Gorvenek, Jardim probably deserve to be there. Emery, not 100% sure why he's there. Um, I think you'd have to look at the likes of perhaps what uh, Stefan Moulin's done at, at Angers. He's got them to Coupe de France final. He's kept them up again on a pittance of a budget, it seems. But, you know, Emery was always going to be there. If, you know, if, even if PSG had finished fifth and knocked out the cups in you know the earliest possible round, Emery was always going to be there. So one of those ones you have to grin and bear. But... Uh, there's a lot of issues with it, but I'm, I'm hoping that the right uh, right players, right coaches win the uh, win the awards. So one thing, uh, looking a little further down the list of nominees, uh, we see in the Ligue 2 Player of the Year um, the option to vote for Benjamin Nive, who is 40. And now I'm I'm 41, so I'm like thinking all of these players are just. This is this is what he's fought. He's been nominated for the best player in League Dirt. That is frankly wonderful. Uh, I think we all love him a lot. Um, so hopefully there will be uh, some representation of uh, uh, of of uh, maybe the long-standing, the veterans, the centurions, 
um, coming out from that. So there's a couple of there's obviously several other categories of uh, categories of award there. Looking at the uh, women's player of the year, uh, you've got uh, Jennifer Marajan, Shirley Cruz, Christiana, and usually Lizoma uh, are up there. So there's you know some really interesting, um, really interesting kind of lists down there, particularly as both OL and PSG are th- looking good in the Women's Champions League, having both won their first legs uh, 3-1 away. So, There's also, uh, this year they've also done a Frenchmen playing abroad category. Um, yeah. Which I'm going to guess who Rich is behind. But it's um, <laughs> Dembele, Benzema, Griezmann and... Kante, Kante, yeah. Kante. Well, uh, Griezmann won last year, so he's in the list again. Obviously, Dembele won Young Player of the Year last year, but has now shifted categories. And yes, uh, has Kante just won, like, Best Player in England or something? Yeah, he's won English Player of the Year. I never know which, if it's the PFA it's or the, the P- It was the P- PFA, PFA, sorry, one. He's just won. Yeah. I think Hugo Lloris so, is perhaps a little unlucky. I'm, you know, you, I think we yeah, all we all have the same opinion I, on Benzema, so he can he can buzz yeah. off. Shift him out, get Hugo in. That's uh, what I say. Anthony <coughs> Knockout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, obviously, um, Jez is extremely uh, seagully happy uh, right now about about uh, developments recently in the championship. So, um, but one. As we said with the goalkeepers, one of them was Baptiste René, who, of course, is playing for a team who look like they might well go down, but not if he has anything to do with it. Um, Which takes us on to the battle at the bottom, as it were. Things have kind of shifted after a slightly strange uh, set of results last round. We've got um, Lorient, and now in 16th, Caen in 17th, Dijon and Nancy level on points on 32, and Bastia look screwed on 28, but then we were saying that about Lorient earlier in the season, and they're currently up and out of things. So when it comes to the relegation battle, we've got a really interesting game 37 coming up, where um, Dijon play Nancy, and Bastia play Lorient. So that could be utter chaos. Given what's going on down there, and we've got, you know, Metz are in 15th, two points above Lorient, but could still perhaps get dragged into this. Who do we think is actually going to drop, presumably with Bastia, who, you know, there may be no saving now, given who they're playing over the next couple of games? Rich, what do you um, think? I, I fear it's going to be Khan. Um, I think looking at their run-in, they've got Marseille, Toulouse, Rennes, PSG. They're not on a good run of form, really struggling to uh, to find any kind of result of late. Um, I think they're just in a bit of free-fall, if I'm perfectly honest. I think I look at the likes of, you know, Nancy have got two massive games. They've got Metz, they've got Dijon. You know, win either of those preferably both if you're a Nazi fan, but win either of those, and yeah, okay, their other two games are Monaco and Saint-Étienne, but win either of those, that's a huge step towards safety. 
And I just look at... And at home against St Etienne, I reckon they could definitely get a point there. Right? You wouldn't bet against them. If they needed a point in that exactly. final game of the season, you wouldn't bet against them. And I just look at the other teams, um, and they they have... They just, plain and simple, have easier run-ins than Carl. Um, so, so for me, it's Bastia and Carl to go down. I don't know who I could. I don't know if I could predict a team who would finish in the the the, the playoff bonus playoff place um, this season. So uh, I won't. Uh, but it's it's for me. It's Bastia and Carl. Yeah. Okay, Jez. How do you see things? Um, I think. I probably am tempted to agree with that. Cod just seems to be in um, such a funk at the moment. Nossi recently come out of one. Lorient relatively spectacularly so as well. But yeah, Cod don't seem to have any. They've lost their spark. And you know, we keep saying how how uh, Dijon don't deserve to be down there because they're playing such good football. I still kind of have faith that because of the kind of football. I mean, they actually almost threw it away. Last weekend, yeah. Oh um, God, <laughs> <three and laughs> up at half time to Angers and then hanging on at the end. But I, I, I do, I do think they can stay up. And Con were that team before that you know just by virtue of the fact that they were playing good attacking football, and even though they were going to concede, you could see them scoring as well. It's not the same Con. They seem so reliant on Santini's goals. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you've got Con with 33 goals so far. Dijon have 44. And, the you know, that is, in a sense, the difference. Dijon are genuinely trying to do this and making it work. They've had some absolutely crazy score lines, and as you say, at the weekend. Yeah, that 3-2 against Angers was a yeah. quite nail-biting. But I think I, to... it, it feels like they're more unlucky than bad. And so you're kind of hoping that at some point their luck has to change and their games are Bordeaux, Gangon, Nancy and Toulouse. And so There's, that's Toulouse have got a big say. I think Toulouse have got the three promoted teams in the next three weeks. So they actually have a big say on things. But from a sort of parochial point of view, Mess Nancy this weekend is absolutely massive. And I think if Mess win that, they're safe. I think if they lose that, they could be in a hell, of, a hell of a lot of trouble. Because when you think about sort of the repercussions of, of losing to, to Nossi in the first match, um, okay, it was away from home. But this one, Mets have improved their home form now. But if they lose this one, especially off the back of a just disgraceful defensive performance against Lorient, I can't see them... I struggled to see them recovering psychologically. Um, a draw might be enough, but I really think they they should be and they need to for their own sort of sanity um, beat Nossi. And if they do that, then I think Nossi will be in a bit of trouble. Yeah. I think, um, in a sense, moving on to any other business, this is France, there is admin. Uh, <coughs> obviously, Bastia are bottom of the table, four points off 19th and uh, obviously uh, significantly more off actual safety and are in trouble again obviously after the events we saw recently against Lyon uh, the, the disciplinary committee threw the book at them as 
we were kind of expecting. This isn't a final book. It's a provisional book, but it's still pretty heavy in that uh, they can't play any home games at home for the rest of the season until this is sorted out and uh, they won't have any travelling fans when they play away. So I think we were kind of expecting that. I think somebody's been fired, somebody's been arrested. There's The president has come out and said that he's not expecting any sanctions, which strikes you as being almost an art project. But um, after that decision from the disciplinary committee came out, the schedulers said that uh, PSG Bastia would be played on the 5th of May, which struck you as being possibly the worst diplomatically based thing they could possibly have done. Oh, I don't uh, know, they, 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 then could have, they then could have said, yeah, you've got to play it in Ajaxio. Oh, Timmy. I mean, it did look a little bit like either the, they were waiting for the disciplinary committee to uh, to rule and then this was spite or sheer incompetence. For those that don't know, 5th of May is the anniversary of the Furiani disaster where um, there were deaths at the uh, Stadium in Bastia during a uh, Coupe de France uh, semi-final, was it, against Marseille? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was 30 years ago, I think. Is it 25? It is a significant anniversary of an event in which um, I think uh, many people lost their lives and Bastia have campaigned for the 5th of May to not to not have games played on the 5th of May since then. They are supported by several other clubs. The LFB seem to have said that they were okay with that as long as that date wasn't a Saturday and then they scheduled this anyway. It's like just, it doesn't help. You know, obviously Bastia have um, have a lot of previous have had the book thrown at them about the OL match and various other matches. If you read the disciplinary committee reports, there was another incident uh, in the same report about the Nancy match, which which uh, was taken into account. But doing something like that just doesn't give you much faith. That I think it has been moved to the six now, but still. It, no, it it has, but it was that initial decision yeah. that they didn't think about that that was the issue. So that's one thing, and the. Another big announcement from the LFP recently has been that there is now a new Ligue 1 sponsor because we are used to the Domino's Ligue 2, uh, which has been in place this season. From next year, next season for the next three seasons, Ligue 1 will be the Ligue 1 Conforama. Uh, for those of you who don't live in France or who do live in France but prefer to buy your furniture from artisanal producers, uh, this is... Uh, a bit like getting DFS to sponsor the league. Would that be fair, Jez? I'm culturally, I'm not sure of the equivalency. <laughs> yeah, I, I sort of went with Don Elm, but something like that anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway, more comfortable benches, a wider variety of hair dryers. Um, it's an interesting one, but apparently, because we were expecting one of the major telecoms providers to be in. Um, but apparently it couldn't be one of the major sponsors of one of the teams, which explains why it wasn't Partouche or somebody uh, like that, the betting guys. So it's Conferama. It's basically a furniture store. Uh, this is going to look really cool on the uh, advertising hoardings. So, Can I just mention um, <laughs> two other pieces of admin which I've thought of? Go um, ahead. Firstly, I think PSG are... Uh, 
before the commission tonight because of their fans trashing uh, Lyon Stadium for the Coupe de la Ligue, uh, the Coupe de la Ligue final. And they like ripped seats out and vandalized toilets and um, naughty flares. Um, so um, presumably they'll get some weak punishment. And the other one is that um, this week Luzanac, who you'll remember should have been promoted to Ligue 2 and um, disgracefully weren't and it was all handled so badly that actually in the end they dropped about five divisions <laughs> rather than um, staying, you know, they would have been better off just with mid-table mediocrity and staying in the Nationale, so they were treated particularly badly. This week um, their sort of latest hearing took place at the uh, some kind of um, Toulouse administrative tribunal and because clearly there isn't any kind of hurry they've deferred their decision for sometime next month. Super. <laughs> okay. So I remember writing about that and getting a lot of tweets from people saying no but seriously what? <laughs> and it was very difficult to explain. Um, Rich do you have any pieces of admin or any other business to bring to the table? Um, I have one on the, the naughty fans list uh, for, for Saint-Étienne. Played the game against Rennes behind closed doors because of fan trouble against Lyon. And then oh, yeah. 200 fans invaded, I suppose, the stadium, <laughs> one corner of the stadium, let flares off, flags, stopped the game for about 20 minutes and took um, several Saint-Étienne officials and the police to persuade them or force them to uh, that this is probably not the best advert for, OK, we're adhering to... Uh, your sanction, dear LFP. So um, it's been rumoured that the sanctions for this won't be too severe because apparently they entered via the club shop and not via any particular <laughs> turnstiles. Um, but um, if you've been sanctioned for naughty fans and playing behind closed doors, um, don't, don't don't let fans invade your, your stadium. That's top tip there. Yeah. Oh, no, so it looks like the disciplinary committee are going to have the same level of schedule pressure as Monaco heading towards the end of the season, and I'm sure then everything will be deferred over the summer because everyone's on holiday. Anyway, so we will be hopefully back in a couple of weeks to look at um, what's happened uh, in the next couple of rounds of the league and also in European competition. So uh, from all of us, me, Philippa B, and from Jeremy and Rich, it's good night, and we will speak to you again very soon. Okay, good night.